0: Um, I have the privilege to do two things right now. I get to introduce to you, our speaker for today, um, who's spoken at Wellspring before and is a dear friend of my family. Um, and I also get to introduce to you um, our Lenten series that we're going to be journeying through. So I'm going to make it quick so I have more time for our dear friend, Pastor Gideon, Reverend Mwambi, who's going to be here. Um, uh, Reverend Mwambi, let me start with introducing him. Uh, we met him when we first went to uh, Fuller Theological Seminary, and he was going through, oh, <laughs> there's a great photo of him jumping in there, but it's hard to see. Um, he is an, an, a singer, an artist, a poet. He knits, and he is a teacher. A pastor, a worship leader, a father, a husband. I don't even know how to describe all the amazing, a writer, oh my goodness, all the amazing uh qualifications and skills and talents and the call that God has on him. Um, but Reverend Wombi is is here today. You can call him Pastor Gideon if you want, um, if that's a little uh easier to remember, but we have both on his name tag. So it's wonderful to be able to call you by your given name and not just the name you pick so we could say your name easier. <laughs> Reverend Wombi, um, He is currently in his last month of his dissertation writing um, with Graduate Theological um, Union, GTU. And uh, if you can be, if you think of him, after today, be in prayer for him because the last month, that's hard, right? I mean, those of you who've done this and done the dissertation, defended it, you know that this is the last little push. So we're cheering you on as you finish this last little push and then um, want to head back to, to doing the work that God has called to do as a teacher, as a community organizer, as a justice worker. And whether that's around the world, or whether that's in Kienjai, um in the Meru County on the eastern slopes of Mount Kenya, which is uh, where one of the places you call home and where your family is, or whether that's in other places around the world where praying God opens doors for you um, as you finish up this, this long road of graduate work you've been on. So really, we're, I'm so honored that he's here today um, to talk about um, the first movement in our Lenten series. And This Lent, we're going to be continuing in the book of Luke, where I still stop looking and listening. (laughs) We're switching the focus to our money story, our money story. Now, we all have a money story, whether we recognize it or not. Maybe it's a story where there's maybe some fear or shame or guilt. Maybe a story that um, our actions might not have much of an impact or a story that we've been told or told ourselves that maybe there isn't enough. Over these next six weeks, we're going to be inviting God to speak a new narrative to us, to to join us as we examine our money stories, the things we've been taught about money, the things we've heard about money, the things we've internalized, um, as well as rewrite that narrative, a new one, with hope and restoration and reframing. So we're going to be remembering, releasing, reimagining, restoring, and a whole bunch of other R's. I think there's six weeks. There's four up on here. But um, to talk about money is to invite tension into the room, right? We're not even saying stewardship or resources. We use the M word. But the thing is, we all have a money story. And so uh, we're going to be going into the the first part of our money story today, remembering and looking at two stories that are very pivotal in the, um, in the Jewish um, faith, as well as the Christian faith, um, important money stories. And um, the best stories, if you think about it, they're the ones that captivate us and inspire us and change how we live. So my prayer for us this Lenten season, as we um, go through our money story that um, we can write the one that God is inviting us to write. We can live into the one where there is freedom and restoration and hope. So, um, and the goodness flows. So with all that, i those two introductions, I'd like to invite Reverend Wambi up. Pastor Gideon It's all, all yours.
1: Thanks so much. Matthew. Thanks so much. Bless you. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, my friend, whenever we text or with uh, Pastor Rebecca, I say, hey, hello, friend. Uh, once in a while, I could, oh, hello, dear friend. Maybe I could begin saying classmate or whatever else, but she's great. And with our family, Pastor Dan, thanks so much. And they are wonderful, uh, handsome, brilliant sons. And it's a blessing to be here. And uh, I was thinking there before I came over here that uh, I've been preaching actively for about 35 years, 35 years, uh, as Joe Biden, 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 all the, I'm telling you, trying to learn other people's languages and, you know, and express. Um, so you are president, right? I think that's clearer. As I said that they don't look it, but they have been around for some time. But they don't look it. They they don't look it uh, like it. But also for me, I've been preaching for quite some time. Uh, three and a half decades is what I've been. Uh, why did I mention that? Not because I'm auditioning for a job or anything, but it's because <laughs> I would not mind a job, but not to displace the pastors. But uh, is to say how strange fright, strange fright, right? Again, fright, fright. Ooh, uh, it's always a, a, a permanent fixture for me. Like I never figured out how to, you know, like all these butterflies and, and some of them are demons actually, but for sake of uh, euphemism, I think we call them butterflies, but they're actually demon, demonic attacks. <laughs> all these fears, what's going to happen and perspiration and all that. I like, oh my goodness, they are calling me now. But I've never figured it out how to overcome that despite being around uh, prophets and uh, full-time ministry as a Pentecostal, charismatic, tongue-speaking preacher, Mark Hugh, full-time minister, but always stench fright. But it keeps me grounded and humble, right? And always remind me reminds me who is in charge. Because you don't want to meet some full-of-themselves preacher who knows how it's done and who has been around for long enough, and so they have no fear, they have no concern, because they have done it, and so they come and hear them preach, And can be really been, it sucks to the overconfidence and stuff. So the stage fright and fear and all that keeps us grounded, right? That's a long introduction. It's not even part of my introduction. So you can imagine how this, (laughs) where this is going. It's actually part of the stage fright. So I am so very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Because the last time I was here for some of you who might not have been here, it was um, uh, uh, January 22nd. Last year, so that's 13 months, right? And I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, uh, Pastor Rebecca, Pastor Dan, and everyone, the leadership team, for having me. Blessings, blessings, blessings. And so, thank you so much. It's a huge blessing, especially as a graduate student who sometimes I feel like a backslidden preacher, backslidden pastor. Uh, for I don't have all that those as many opportunities to preach. Um, and so because I'm writing and, and life is happening in other spheres, so it's a huge privilege to be able to come here and speak and to have a captive audience that sometimes has to just, you know, cope with me and just be smile through it all, through the pain. And so praise God for church where we can go and actually have receptive audiences who are so gracious, uh, all the pain or whatever, the anguish notwithstanding. So, so I think I finished with that one. But money Right? Money, finances, faith versus finances. I wasn't so sure whether it should be uh faith versus or faith and uh because it's like contrasting or it's like there's some tension happening, which is true actually. And when Pastor Rebecca said that uh some confusion or fear in the room and all that, I even said awkwardness also, awkwardness. Like when I picked the topic, I was like why do you keep getting yourself into trouble? Like, wh- <laughs> like, how presumptuous could someone get? Like, how more presumptuous? Like, you're going to be speaking about money? Like, because <laughs> people, ideally, people that speak about money are people that have had enough of it, or at least they have quite some reasonable amount and they are planning for it. They know what they have been doing with their money. They have, right? They have some, they have worked some journey with the money. And then here you are, you're still trying to figure out where to get a few dollars and you still, you have a money story, like, excuse me, but it's <laughs> what preachers can do, like just, you know, um, figuring out stuff and, and going for it. But so it's a blessing to really uh, speak about that. Because about faith and faith is all about, you know, speaking and declaring things that sort of, uh, are not as if they are they are there. So let's go to our... Opening scriptures. And again, just to reiterate, is that I'm since I I was here a year ago. I've been to Seattle for four months, and then I ran away because of the cost of groceries around here. And I was like, no, I like the sun, I like the ocean, and, and if people think that uh, Hawaii is near heaven or like paradise A or B, but I'm like, no, the cost of exp- like milk is almost ten dollars and bread is nine. I'm like, so I ran away, but then I was like, Ooh, I. Like, I was in Seattle for some time. I am like, no, it's too grave for me. The code is just unmanageable. And I'm like, Ooh, I are like, who? I hope to go to Hawaii by all means. And then the Lord opened the way. And here I am. I hope I never have to go away again. And I praise God for that. And um, I've been writing my dissertation. And I, I submitted the seven chapters, the draft. And let me tell you something. It was one of the hardest, whatever. Not the writing part, but having to stay focused, especially as a father uh, who had to ha- worry about my family back home in Kenya. And my daughter was graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Economics degree. Praise God for that on December 8th. So you can imagine being a student and taking your daughters through school, right? And then it's it's just so complicated. But praise God that I did that. And so this week is a make-on-break week. And I hope to book my... Um, uh, defense for my dissertation, and please fingers and toes cross. No, it's not just fingers; it's actually toes and whatever else is crossable. Just crossing and pray and prayerfully crossing them so that my profe- uh, professorial com- professorial committee um, accept, and then we go on with the dissertation defense on March fifteenth, and then to graduate on May eighth, May ninth. Praise God! Ooh, all the time, so we hope that happens. I'm going to read uh, Luke. Uh, 11, 1 to 13 and then I'll ask my brother, again, John, no, James, no, yeah, Jared, yeah, to read some, I just put you on the spot, but, you, <laughs> I mean, when people show up at church, you had better be ready because, right, I mean, we, we are always talking about, you know, going to, <laughs> we are always talking about, oh, Jesus will come and then, you know, take us and we should be ready. So you'd better be ready. Practice being ready when you come to church. So you're going to read Luke, uh, that one, and then I'll read Exodus. So would you kindly do that for us? Yeah, sure, you can. But please, like, yeah, yeah, I know. You are free to call them, but please, yes, please, just read that one for us, and then I'll read Exodus. And then we go. Is it work? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, Thank please. You yeah, <laughs> you're most
2: welcome. <laughs> okay. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus told them, when you pray, say, Father, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who has wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, imagine that one of you has a friend, and you go to that friend in the middle of the night. Imagine saying, friend, loan me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. Imagine further that he that he answers from within the house, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I assure you, even if he wouldn't get up and help because of his friendship, He will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his brashness. So I say to you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, whoever seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Which father among you would give a snake to your child if the the child asked for a fish? If a child asked for an egg what father would give you, a, the child, a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You see? caught off God, and then you just do a wonderful job. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, the talents. Sometimes I think the talents that just sit at the church pews and all that. It's, I mean... We have the privilege of being called men of God and women of God and apostles and all that. And But you are all really like, that's why this, my money story is not just about me. It's all about us. We are enablers. And so myself, what I call myself is, I, I call I see myself as an enabler to help people, enable them to, for the light to come out, to uh, right? To help people discover their light. It's all really, it's all about because everyone here is a sitting dynamite. Like everyone here, like you have all these stories, you have all these insights. So I hope the Lord helps us to see ourselves as what we are and also the leaders to help. Because I'm writing on leadership. My chapter 7 is on leadership, um, enabling leadership, a leadership that enables others, releases them to be all they are. And I talk so much about holistic transformation and all that. So just, you know, as opposed to what leadership is all about, eating and and eating for myself and looking great. and um, yeah, all that. So thank you so much. Exodus 16, uh, four to twelve, and I'm reading. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to make bread down from bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. Just enough for that day. Note that. Just enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they remember, uh, measure out what they have collected, it will be twice as much as they collected on other days. So Moses and Aaron Aaron, uh, said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's great, glorious presence, because you, your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning because the Lord had the blessings you made against him. Please underline that that the Lord is going to do all this not because of the love or whatever, but because he's been coerced uh, to do it because you so can you imagine eating and drinking all that about us from heaven? Why? What's the ground for all the provision, the abundance you are enjoying because of your complaints? So note and underline. <laughs> I mean, you are you are feasting and you're enjoying, not because you deserve it, but because of the intensity of your grumbling. So the Lord had, um, who are we? Ta-da-da-da. Verse 9, then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole Israelite community, come near to the Lord because... He's heard your complaints again, Lord. As Aaron spoke to the whole Israelite community, they turned to look toward the desert. And just um, just then, the glorious presence of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Eleven, the Lord spoke to Moses. I have heard the complaints again. I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat because you complained and you gained it by through your gambling, right? And in the morning, you will have your fill of your bread. Again, because on account of your complaining then you know that I am the Lord, your God, on account of your stubborn grumbling, right? Lord, help us to be gracious recipients of your grace and to be equally um, graceful uh, channels of your hospitality and your charity. In your name we pray, amen. So one of my promise, I've already done part or half of my sermon, and I feel like the last time I preached here was presumptuously long, and um, all in the process of being a Pentecostal charismatic preacher, uh, which is really just, you know, um, it's a cover up for impunity. But today I promise that I'll be done before you know it. And so in the next 10 minutes, I'll just sum it up. And in that will be my past sins, right? Finances and faith. So foundational texts, just some observations. The persistence. Actually, in Luke, it says because of the friends or because of the neighbor's shameless persistence is how uh, one of the versions put it. Because of the shameless persistence, they, they received their whatever they, whatever they were begging their neighbor for because of their persistence, shameless persistence. And here is because of, on account of their grumbling, shameless grumbling, persistent grumbling, and all that. They then they received, and they had all these feasts and wonderful, and and I think they were also grumbling as they ate and drank, because they knew they didn't deserve it that much. My guiding query from uh, our sermon is: uh, Are faith and money allies or antagonists? And this might sound a little familiar, a little academic or cliches, because it's, you know, my writing is infecting my, whatever, uh, my someone, someone, uh, someone making, allies or antagonists. In other words, can we trust? Can we walk by faith? Can we be moneyed? Can we be uh, well-endowed financially and still trust? Like, where, why trust? I mean, we, have, we, we have it figured it uh, figured out. Like, what are they? Is it either all or both? Is faithful walking and discerning and and, uh, trusting the Lord just for folks, um, uh, uh, um, disenfranchised uh, immigrants, aliens like myself, with no meaningful source of income, who just have to depend on God practically for anything? Or is it also for the natives, the US natives, who have worked? Diligently, and they saved up enough, and actually they just they have more than enough. Like, where do they need to exercise faith? Like, do they need to trust for anything? I mean, they have checks, they have medical cover, they have their kids are doing well. They're just like they have more than enough. They have houses. They have. Whereas a person like me might just be praying for a room, a place I can just go and write my dissertation, the last whatever of my dissertation in peace. Others here might or elsewhere might have all this mega. Big houses where some of the rooms have not been occupied for quite some time, even for a year. I mean, they are empty nests that are actually empty nests, they are just but beautiful nests. Uh, don't make more, no mistake about it. Like, where is the faith? Like, do we all? I am here to submit that we all whatever whatever our station, we need to depend on divine guidance, on grace for those with more than enough to figure out how best to be stewards of what they have so it it doesn't choke them up. Because I mean, all the food, it can choke you up. Like you just eat and then it doesn't do you any good. I mean, can we also find a way of distributing to others um, so that our more than enough doesn't just go into waste. One of my, part of my journey around here has been having to grapple with the realities of the, the different contexts, like the contrast. Um, sometimes back home in my village when there's drought drought and uh, dry seasons and there's not enough food and then have to hear a relative who says I slept hungry or I'm going to sleep hungry today unless you send something. Do you know how much they are just hoping that I might be able to surprise them with maybe five dollars? And that makes a huge difference. That makes a huge difference just because it's going to get them some food, some just some basic food, just some basic supplies. $10, $15, $20 is just going to change their entire uh, scope, of, like the entire week. Um, then compare and contrast with a context where there's so much food. Sometimes I visit my friends or even myself around here or my Kenyan friends and their fridges people have a way of just having this overflowing fridge. Fringes, like like you don't even need the food at all, but it just just needs to be full. And it's so full. And the food then just have it halfway and then just throw it away. Just throw it away. Throw it away. I'm not guilt-tripping people, but I'm just saying the context. Like, how can we have our more than enough to count and distribute it a little bit? And recently, in one of my chapters, uh, Chapter four on env- environmental justice. I'm writing on env- environmental justice and dialoguing Pope Francis um, on his, uh, especially a book he has written, the Pope Francis on Laudato Si' on the environment and talking about our uh, sister Earth and all that, and dialoguing him with Professor Wangari Maathai. Some of you don't know him. Maybe all of you don't know her. Professor Wangari Madai was the Nobel Peace Prize winner in 2004 for her work around environmental justice and, uh, and all that. She's, she was Kenyan. She passed on, she rested. So bringing them into dialogue, and, and I'm telling you, I just wrote and said, and, but my advisor, my, the chair of my decision so graciously, um, in her feedback, she said that we might not be able to do it justice at all. The environmental justice said all that unless we critique uh, uh, capitalism. Capitalism. What capitalism has to do with it, the consumption, the, the, the raping of the environment in Congo and everywhere, the everything, uh, environmental, um, all that degradation, or in the pretext of running after profits, the greed, capitalism, and all that. So, all I'm trying to say is that we, we need to bring ourselves to a way that we can reconcile it. The needy person, I think that's why somewhere in the scriptures, in James, I think it says, it urges the rich people to consider themselves poor and the poor folks to consider themselves rich in a way. Because we are all, when it comes, when it's, it just counts really, we all have the same basic framework of, of, of operation. We are channels. So, how are we channels, whether we have plenty or little? So, basically, we have a, our money story is unique to us, and uh, you have the capacity to live it out, depending on where uh, God has placed you. So my money story, I have some nuggets to share, but please listen to you. Listen, and I, I hope you can get, find echoes of your own, your story, in my little story that I share uh, in, in, uh, quickly. And I call them some nuggets that I've uh, stuff that I've, I've learned through my body, I admit, through my work. Three nuggets from my um, story. Trust is a, as a gesture of worship. Trust. So we think of worship as singing uh, and singing and dancing and uh, praying for uh, fasting for 40 days and all that and all wonderful things. But our trust, trusting God through it all, even when that makes sense, that's our an act of worship. The Israelites trusting that it should be okay, that the God who delivered them, surely, God did not deliver them from Egypt to to, to abandon them, to die of hunger. No, just trusting that trust is an act of worship. Do you trust? How is your trust? And how how does that how does it play out in practical terms? Just being able to obey, to say, God said, gather. Enough for just a day, and as you read from that text, some actually gathered out of just poverty the poverty mentality and mistrust and rebellion. They gathered stuff that would last them for a week. God had said just for just enough for just a day, so that is rebellion, that is idolatry, that is just like thrashing what God said and just saying, No, you don't know, I know what's enough for my party. Wait, you just said for a day? No, I have seven kids. We need more than just a day. God, you don't know what you're talking about. And then they gathered enough. What happened? It turned into worms. So compulsive, compulsive holding could be a symptom of prideful rebellion. It, it might you it might look like you, you know what you're doing, but actually getting all that stuff in your fridge and getting three fridges and... Thank God for French. I'm, I'm not against your French. Let it overflow with all the blessings until even the streets can be full of your goodies from your French. But I'm just saying, like, why? What's the motive? Like why are you doing it? Like why is it overflowing? Like at whose expense? So fill in the Dutch faith is the cardinal currency currency of heavenly transactions. This one occurred to me when I was tr- beginning on my journey. I was uh, two hours, uh, almost uh, preparing to graduate with my, with my uh, undergraduate degree at 42, many years ago. And it just and I was beginning to entertain the thought of moving to the U.S., transition to the U.S. for further studies for a master's degree. And I, I didn't have nothing. No backup, no organizational backup, no family whatever, endowment, financial endowment. And I just, it's something, it's occurred to me that faith I, was, I started seeing now Kenyan shillings is weak. The U.S. dollar is, is strong. Um, actually, the euro is even stronger. You know, like depending on your uh, currency, whatever, then you feel proud and, and stable and all that and secure. But what's the heavenly? What's the heavenly currency? Well, I concluded that it was faith. Because when it is faith, then it doesn't matter what currency it is. Then it could, it could be transformed into a dollar, or it could come in form of shilling, or euro, it doesn't matter. But the faith provision, through faith then, will translate into whatever, uh, uh, relevant, uh, whatever. So you, what you need is faith. The bottom line is faith. And I've seen it all. How have I seen that? It's because through my studies right now, and I had to look up the, uh, some of the, uh, as I was sitting there, some of the uh, figures, I have paid. Because it's about our money story, right? And the uh, outworking of the practical outworking of faith. So here, sharing a personal story for my doctoral uh, program, as I hope to defend my decision and be done. Um the total charges for tuition, tuition, not eating, not drinking, not taking bus, not whatever else is one hundred and seven thousand dollars 107000 dollars 683. 107,683. Okay? That's the changes that you should without eating or drinking up until now for I, I don't know how many semesters for the PhD program. So how much have I paid in 104? 104 674. That's how it says paid. And then how much balance do I owe? 3, 0009, 3009 3,09. And I'm not telling you that for so you write me a check. No, no, no. You did not write me a check for $107, $104. So don't worry. Like, don't. But that $3,000 almost kicked me out of the system recently. Almost kicked. It almost. Like I was not going to graduate until last week when the school said, oh, yeah, sure. We could do this accommodation, blah, 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 blah. Just 3000 just making you sleep. Sleepless nights. Like just the panic. And just like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, Lord. Where did the faith go? Like, I thought I was walking by faith. Like, I'm going to quit, just, I'm going to be locked out of the system just because of $3,009. Like, what? Then I, I started saying, lamenting and saying the shame, all oh, the shamelessness of poverty, Oh, the shameless, the utter shamelessness of poverty being poor. Like, this is what it really looks like. So, I'm not presumptuous about. The rubber on the road realities of being poor or being having limitations, I'm not even trying to you know because sometimes the faith talk and all that no it's've I've, I've seen it all, but the gratitude part, God as a poor someone from rural Kenya with no financial loans and all money loans and all that. I don't have those privileges but but still seeing God's provision up until this point, all this amount of money. Because faith works, and God is gracious, and God provides. Is that, is that am I now too passionate? Yes, because <laughs> let me tell you something, because cause it's real stuff. So, number two, the centrality of community in our money story. Who, is, who, who, who among you here is seated? it takes a village to foster wholesomeness. It takes a village. I know it's, a, it's sort of a cliche, an overused cliche, like, oh, it takes a village. Oh, Clinton said it takes a village. Um, so it takes a village. Who among you here can look back and say, well, I've made it by my own sweat and blood and tears? I know this is a society or whatever, even Kenya or whatever else, where individual grit and diligence and all that is so valued. And so people work and so... And you accumulate and you are here where you you are self-made. Who can truly, truly say you are really like just self-made man or woman around here with no one, no input of the community? Like it never took anyone's help for you to come to be the millionaire you are. Time, almost up, time. It takes help. I was like, ooh, time is up. I, that's what I read because I was like, oh. Because, you know, it takes help. Because it takes help. The leaves, the way they, the leaves move, they're like, oh, time is up. Because help. Because <laughs> help and help and up, they rhyme and then time. It takes and time. Ooh, I was like, ooh, really? Like, <laughs> I'll be done soon, I assure you. So. But. It takes a village, it takes a community. For me, how, where would I have, like, we've not even talked about the housing. If we factor that in, it would be 200,000 or even more, right? If we talked about the rights and whatever, or my family back home in Kenya, my daughters, McKenna just graduated with a Bachelor of Science Economics degree, my daughter, and it's their father taking them through school while I'm going through school. Right? Without even mentioning other things, it takes a village, truly. And for me, it's been real. It's real for you. It's true for you. And the community doesn't have to be perfect. Because in the Luke story, the Luke story, the neighbor wasn't like so enthusiastic, waiting at the door. say, "Oh, I have more bread to share. No, they were like, go away. <laughs> go F blah, 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 away. Like, go away. I'm sleeping with my wife. I'm having some wonderful time with my family. And then go away. Go work for your bread. And they're like, oh, no, I have guests and all that. And they just came in. No, I said I need to sleep. I need my space. And then the, the shameless person said, oh, I need. And then, the, of course, they got some whatever. So that neighbor was mean, right? Sort of. My space thing. Like, I need my sleep. So the community doesn't have to be perfect. Somehow, part of my journey, the housing, the accommodation thing, I have had for me to deal with, like give myself and feel like a slave sometimes because I have had to work for people. And even there are times I feel like misused or abused because I have to cook for them. Because actually part of the things you didn't mention when you were talking about knitting and singing and humor and singing is I cook. And let me tell you something. It's wrong for a man from where I come. We should not even go to the kitchen. And then come from not being allowed to go to the kitchen and then to cook for people because you need accommodation in their home. And then sometimes be taken advantage of. And then it's so triggering, especially as whatever they call black or African because of the slavery background and all that. And then you feel like you are being enslaved all of a sudden. And I've had instances where I cleaned people's utensils or whatever. And they just live there. They don't even say thank you. Or I do the mopping. Or I clean up the bathroom, but what, what are you gonna do? Because you're accommodated and you need the housing. You need. You don't want to be homeless. So, but all I'm trying to say, is still, that's the community God uses and God uses because the perfect because the perfect people are missing in action. Where are they? So, it's, you wait for the perfect ones. They might never arrive. So, and again, in the story of Elijah, whom did God use? Uh, a crowd like some. What's the bad? Raven, and I'm sure those ravens maybe like meat or something like that, and then they but they deliver the meat anyway. So, so what I'm trying to say, the church community here doesn't have to be perfect. Your family doesn't have to be perfect. They don't have to do it your way, but still, God uses them. So it takes a village, is what I'm trying to say. And then finally, finally, uh, so... The strength. So it's give us our community, right? Give us our bread. Give us our daily bread. It's not give me my daily bread, right? It's, a, it's about give us. our. It's our father, not oh, my father, daddy, you know how faithful. No, it's not my. It's our father who was in heaven. Give us our daily bread. It's the plural. Uh So it takes a village. And then finally, the last one, attitude counts. Attitude is key. Even as I wash those utensils, as I, you know, it's not easy. I'm not trying to say, I'm not romanticizing it. Sometimes it feels so bad because you feel like instead of writing your dissertation, for example, you have to cook a meal because otherwise you you guys are going to starve, right? And so then you feel like, oh my goodness, I wish I had the freedom or my space to do what I I choose or to sleep as long as I want. But then you don't. So attitude or when you have to ride, ride a bus, to go for your, for your part-time job, and then you'll tell, oh my goodness, I wish I used to drive, I wish I, I drive around. Like your attitude, both as the recipient, that's why one of the reflection questions is, what sort of, what caliber of a recipient are you? Because sometimes some folks, you just don't matter what you give them, you just help them, but that still it's not good enough. Have you tried to please a spouse or a person who's just giving, and then you're giving something, and then it's not good enough? Right? And then it's so exhausting. So attitude counts. So grateful uh, and coerced, uh, Can we be? Have you tried? Have you provided for kids? Compare and contrast having to uh, pay school fees or whatever else, or provide uh, buy a gift for a kid because they almost killed you with the stress. I mean, the, there is no breathing space until you provide that thing for them, right? And then you have to drag yourself against your will, uh, against your wish, and then go spend whatever amount of dollars for them so there can be peace. Compare that scenario with a lady or or a kid who just is so gracious, and they just didn't have to demand for it, but they just knew they deserved it, because especially for the patience they have exercised, and for the grace they have provided you. And then just the joy. Can you see the joy, the difference, whatever, when you have to provide, not because out of coercion, but because of out of gratitude. So um, talking of attitude, for me, it's always been about uh, balancing gratitude and grumbling. I am so grateful to be in the U.S. for well, it's going to be nine years in, on March 18th. So I'll be defending my dissertation three days before my ninth anniversary, being around here, being far away from me. So I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be graduating with a PhD, uh, whatever, at 52. That's, you know, huge blessings, like just and the provision and all of that. So the gratitude part. And then the grumbling, surely things can be better. Surely people can be more, you know, like or Surely the, the right can be less, more treacherous. Like all that, right? Oh, surely $3,000 doesn't have to cause me a heartbreak. Like almost, you know, like heart, heart, whatever. Um, like all that, that. So gratitude and grumbling, even for you, wherever you are, it's okay to grumble, but not for it to be the mondas, right? Operandi, like whereby it's, it's like, so there's room for grumbling. I'm not for like, the Christian version of Christian, whatever, whereby give thanks for everything. Like even my daughter died at seven months my daughter, Irene, died, and, said, and then I should be giving thanks. Oh, praise the Lord, he's in heaven. I'm like, no, but still it sucks. Like, it's still so hard. So, you know, like the, the faith version where we have to give thanks for everything. Smile. All these plastic smiles regardless of what happens. No. Balance and be sensitive and then have a healthy balance between gratitude and grumbling. Whereby it's not always grumbling, but it's always um, it's also there's some gratitude. And then The measure of our charity, the measure of our charity, the the truest significance of our charity isn't in its vastness, but in the difference it makes. Um, You might be here feeling insignificant. What are you gonna do? The world is so needy. What are you going to do? Like you wish you could do something, even maybe as I share you, will, oh my goodness, I wish I was there. I wish I could write him uh, all that and clear for, so he can finish his PhD without. You don't have to do it. Just do what you can to the people that are close to you, the needs that are close by you. And I remember um, for me, the significance or the difference it makes During, uh, on Christmas, I think, or the New Year's, I I have a tendency to share some little money with whatever I have. Can you imagine still, like, share still with, sometimes I feel stupid, or I'm sorry for saying stupid on the pulpit, but that's what I I feel sometimes, like, just keeping it real. Sometimes that's what I feel. And because I'm like, you're just giving, 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 I'm you're so needing, but then you're giving. Like, I'm like, why don't you just stop? Wait, at least, you finish with school. And then I finish. But one of the guys, one of the guys I shared, some little money with a friend. He blasted it all over the place. He put it on his uh, status, uh, Facebook, and he said, oh, I, I had to go back to see how much money I had given him because he was just all over the place with the amount. Like, it just make a, made a big difference. He put it on Facebook and everywhere. He said, it made my day. Made, my new year is now so bright because of this. I was like, how much did I give him? I, so I went, <laughs> and it was actually, I think it was $5 which was then 700 Kenya shillings. Compare and contrast with some family members who the amount was even maybe three times or even four times or te- almost 10 times, but those ones, they deserve, right? There's a sense of entitlement, so it's not good enough. But for this guy, he had to put it on Facebook, $5, because it means so much, it was transformational. So the diff- it's not a, the amount, it is the difference it makes to such a person, right? And so, lastly, uh, what caliber of a beneficiary and benefactor are you? Are you writing checks grudgingly and saying, oh, those uh, those third-world countries should figure out their dash together? You know, like, just like, oh, oh, the U.S. is not going to continue being babysitting the global south, you know, because the U.S., of course, right? Is this where God starts acting, right? This is where God lives and then goes to other, the darker places, right? Because the U.S. is the uh, the US is uh, manifest destiny thing. The U.S. is chosen. And so this is where money and food and everything uh, comes from. And so the world needs the U.S., right? Uh, to not perish. Like, what's your attitude? So I'm ending it there, saying that we can be channels of God's grace. And so we're going to be singing a song with a team to say, use me as a channel of your grace. And so, Dan, do you want to come over and, um, as we prepare to sing the song? But uh, my challenge to us is that we can be um, our attitude, even as we help and receive, and just just be continue being a channel and using your story to be transformi- uh, a tra- transformative, an agent of positive transformation. Wherever you are, in your little small way. Amen. So, uh, and so we shall sing a song. So, but Dan uh, will tell us something as we conclude. And um, do you know how much money I've sent uh, back home uh, with something? I'll, I'll tell you that again. I'm just sharing this for whatever. So you know, it's never too little. Or you, anyone, whether even a needy student, you can do something. So I have shared, I just checked there from the app we used to send money home, how much money I've sent so far. It's not like a million, whatever, but it's $26,000, $26, $26,000, dollars 25 Is how much, $26,000, $26,000. Is how much I've said, shared with folks back home. Whether it's $5 or $3 or whatever, or $1, whatever. But can you imagine that like, Maybe I should have kept that money to myself and just like made mm-hmm. life more, whatever. So I don't have to contend with the shamelessness of having to contend with not having paid a balance of $3,000. But I'm, all I'm trying to say is that even a poor, needy student can still do something and share from what you got. Is all I'm trying. We are all limitless. Mm-hmm. It's about our attitude. Amen. Thank you again. Thank you for your patience. Oh, thank, thank
2: you for listening. Ma'am. Amen.